Blog Talk Radio. first-time listeners. This is all about human development, making life happen to the maximum possible. And right now, guess what? In our society, we have to understand human violence and the tendency to want to destroy or master, overpower, or threaten, because that's part of the human existence as it stands now. It's disgusting that that's what we have to deal with. And there's so many positive things that we could be doing with our life creating so many amazing technological advances as well as humane advances. But nonetheless, human violence is a part of our everyday moment. We turn on the radio, the television, and there is not a moment where you're not going to be harassed by somebody doing something in violation of someone else's rights, right to live, right to feel free, right to feel comfortable and safe. At least that's the way we characterize in the United States. It's even kind of written into our Declaration of Independence, the, the right to pursue happiness. Really? That's not necessarily the way everybody has life. We have to deal with individuals who are abusive, whether they are family members or neighbors or teachers or priests. We have to deal with individuals who just suddenly have an impulse to kill or shoot or rampage. We have to deal with individuals who spend their life terrorizing others because they've been programmed to feel like it is in their karma, their religious best interest to go and overpower and terrorize other individuals. We have to live with people who have the impulse to destroy or just have such rage in the moment that they can't stop themselves from harming or killing because their brain misfires. We have to deal with that. That's part of life. If you're driving along and you get angry or hostile and flip another driver off, you've engaged in a violent moment. If you've yelled at someone for no good reason, you've engaged in a verbal violent moment. If you've decided to want to attack or overpower or intimidate, you're expressing that urge of the human nature to be violent. Now, of course, we can go back into our etiology and we can say, okay, there it is. It's part of our primitive brainstem. It's also part of that impulse to survive, the fight and flight response, and all of that would be true. It's in the emotions of the limbic system where aggression is just a part of the everyday reaction to when we sense that we have been violated or threatened seems to be going beyond that these days. It seems like the tendency to be violent now enters into, one, being programmed by others that violence is good. Two, having that prohibition against violence, that little something inside that says, no, don't do it. You might think it, but don't do it. Don't act on it. That that taboo that's instilled in us that's part of becoming civilized as little children when our parents say, no, you can't do that. They put a prohibition, and either because you want to please them or you don't want to get the punishment, you learn to develop that wall, that taboo against becoming violent yourself. Or maybe you've evolved into having a humane attitude where you just care a lot about people and you really feel like that's going to be a superior approach to everything. But nonetheless, 
that violence and that capacity exists inside of you. But when that taboo or that humane attitude is not developed or that taboo has been crossed over, then it becomes a little easier each and every time. Now, you know me, I'm not going to reveal anything that a patient or client has ever shared with me. It's just simply not fair. That information goes with me to the grave because people who come to see me in person deserve the confidentiality and privilege that they get to be able to say what they need to say. Nonetheless, as a human researcher, as an individual involved in human engineering, I am privy to information outside my clients and my patients that lets me know that when an individual has been programmed to kill, they have crossed the line. And after they have done the first killing, they have crossed yet another line. And there's just something about that experience of having killed someone that either makes them hardened to the next killing or makes them actually have an appetite for doing further violence. It's just like crossing a line that once you've crossed it and you found that you could do it or that it even had some sort of satisfying impact on you, that you do it again. There's no excuse for this. Not trying to give an excuse, but a realization. One of the ways in which we cross a line every day is when we watch TV. And in the fiction of everything that we watch, we can get into the, the verb, the excitement, the adventure of watching our hero be actually the massacre. We know that television has crossed the line many times where we actually are rooting on the side of the person that's doing so much violence. And we can, in our brain, get so involved in that that we forget that we're actually violating our own ethics or value system or the humane attitude that could promote an attitude of peace. Now, I'm not advocating not watching television. I enjoy my adventure shows as well as anybody next to me, maybe even more. But I think we need to be really fully aware that once we are programming our brain to be okay, even enjoy in the entertainment of television or movies, that we have to realize that that does have an impact on us, a numbing us to what's going on. We also get numbed by all the news, the radios and television. We get numb to this. All we want to do is make sure that our friends and family are not harmed. We become protective of our inner circle, but the outer circle is them, not us. Is it really them or not us, or is that just the way we cope with the fact that it's so prolific in our society, and therefore we cross the line of tolerating that it happens to them, and then we become intolerant when it happens to us. Wait a minute. Is that also us becoming numb and buying into it? Yeah, to some degree it absolutely is. Or how about when we're absolutely convinced that killing is warranted? Okay, if you're under threat or your loved one's under threat and you kill in defense, we can all kind of buy into that. That's even taken care of in the criminal system and our definition of law. Wait a minute. How come some individuals, when they're abused and they kill the abuser, they're actually seen as a criminal. Well, that's not really been all that uncommon. And even in our courts today, we're wondering whether or not Jody, for example, did she kill on a self-defense, post-traumatic stress disorder, retaliation for being abused, having some sort of strange process, or was it connived? And there have been many a woman who have actually killed their abuser in the moment of rape that have actually been accused of murder. Not so much nowadays. But still, Jody's trial makes us ponder, is she violent because of who she is or because of what horror she had to endure? So if we define a line that if you endure horror and you kill, that somehow makes it sensible, we still have to realize we've crossed the line 
And what's our rationale for that? Let's talk about soldiers for a moment. Yes, I do talk, work and talk with soldiers and the soldiers' families. However, none of this is coming from my communication with clients or patients. Outside of that arena, soldiers have confided or said to me when I am not in that confidential situation that, yes, once they have done the first killing as a sniper or in a military situation, there is something when you cross the line. It either horrifies you and makes you shrink and forever hold that post-traumatic stress reaction to how horrible that was taking that person in their life with the hand of their gun and shooting to the point of killing was absolutely the worst and most distressing moment they can recall. Whether it's a World War II veteran, Korean War veteran, Vietnam veteran, or currently, those are half of the reactions. They crossed the line, and the response was horrifically that they wanted to shy away from it. There are those individuals, once they cross that line, though, they actually enjoy the experience. It's an extreme. It's a high. And they wonder curiously about their salivation over that sort of experience. And yet they do have it. They've crossed the line, and there's something appealing about it. Let's correlate this for a moment. Not because it's an exact correlation, because remember, we train our soldiers to defend us by killing the enemy, or at least restraining them. And when that soldier's under a life and death situation, would you ever fault a soldier for actually defending themselves as well as us? Oh, no. But nonetheless, we've crossed the line in saying that it was okay to kill, and we just need to know once we've crossed that line, we open the doors. So now, let's talk about the gamers who love to pay their halos or Assassin's Creed or any other form of violence that occurs. It's kind of fun if you haven't played those games it's really kind of a thrill to be able to shoot someone down or run down Grand Theft Auto. Or, it's just kind of like empowering in some sort of grotesque way. And guess what? It's crossing the line. In the neurological wirings, you are telling the brain, even though it's fantastical, it's fantasy, you're telling the brain, it's okay to do it. And some individuals are wired such that once they cross that line, they actually begin to wonder what it would be like to do in real life. And we recently had that type of stabbing where the killer, the stabber, who I think actually his victim did not die, at least not yet, but he goes around a university campus in Texas and stabs people. Unfortunately, a friend of mine's child was one of those individuals. And so it's like, wow. And what did the person say to the police that arrested him? Since I was a child, I dreamed of what it would be like to stab people. He was salivating over it. And why, since he was a child, what was he exposed to? What helped him, in a really sick sort of way, cross the line of feeling like it was okay to perpetrate violence on another person? We need to examine this on another level as well. Sexual abuse and physical and emotional abuse, verbal abuse, are still abuse. And they're forms of violence perpetrated toward another individual. Well, if you've listened to any of my shows, please also include in that list the one that has a a discussion with individuals who have experienced sexual and emotional abuse by priests, by fathers, by, I could go on, people who should have been trusted and been the example of moral and ethical consciousness cross the line to violate the rights of another individual to feel safe, to have the right of their body to have privacy, to not be violated as a young child, and not to be brainwashed 
Not that priest or father or uncle or neighbor has a right to sexually, verbally, or physically be abusive. So where does it come when we cross the line? While you're listening to me, you may have all sorts of arguments, but what I want you to do is to look first. How have I already crossed the line? How have I become tolerant of the presence of violence in my own environment? How do every day I expose myself to the okayness of other human beings being harmed? Where is my commitment to peace and the cultivation of peacefulness? And how do I violate other people's peacefulness every day as well as let other people violate my peacefulness? And what do I do in order to affect a change in the human consciousness to help us evolve beyond the okayness of being violent with one another? We're never going to end wars unless the human beings evolve away from the need to be in battlement. And how are we going to do that? By fighting our enemy? Hmm, I know we need self-defense and we need to protect ourselves. We can't be stupid by laying down passively in front of our enemies. I do realize that we've had wonderful leaders, especially in India, that advocated that very thing. But the truth of the matter is we're not going to be doing that. We're going to be defending ourselves. And now with the threats of North Korea and other such threats from terrorism that continues, we are very aware that we need to defend ourselves. But then how can we perpetrate, exacerbate the need to protect humankind, our own children, our own neighbors, and how about those neighbors across the Atlantic, Pacific, or whatever ocean you're next to? So contact me. Let me know what your ideas are. Dr. Carol Francis show at Facebook. Write in person. Interact passionately. But realize when you interact, do so with respect. And be aware when you want to cross that line and put someone in their place as if you have a right to exert your violent attitude toward them, even if they have done it towards you. Think about it. And watch how have I become tolerant of anything that approaches inhumane attitude. Dr. Carol Francis for a blog for thought today. Take care and thanks for joining me.